Hello and welcome to the Paranormalist Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Dodson, and I'm here with the Paranormalist, Patty Wilson. Hi, Kenny. It's good to be here with you again tonight. We are back again for a special episode. Um, a couple episodes ago, we did ghost stories, and we're going to do a couple of those today. That was a light and fun episode until the very end. Um, but <laughs> but uh, this episode is going to be cool because we asked the followers on the Facebook page um, to ask us some questions. So we're actually interacting with the audience now, and we're getting to a place where some people are listening to us and wanting to know more. So um, we're going to address some of those today. But um, first, Patty, how have you been? I am doing just fine. I've been very busy. I've been on the road for the last two weekends. Where'd you go? First weekend, I was in Virginia at the Wayside Inn, which is billed as one of America's oldest inns in the country. The Wayside Inn is, it's an absolutely amazing building. It was a place where like George Washington hung out and stuff like that. Has a couple ghost stories. Um, one of a little girl who haunts a dining room and then um, room 14 upstairs, which is supposedly haunted by a Confederate soldier and alternately by an attorney who once um, stayed in the building for quite a long time. It was beautiful. We had a lot of fun. Um, no serious interactions or anything like that, but I highly recommend the place. Now, the second weekend, we went to the Green Park Inn in um, Blowing Rock, North Carolina. Sorry. Sorry, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, feel better now. My mind went to a dirty spot. Yeah, bad boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so anyhow, no, it was a gorgeous place, and um, it was built in like the late eighteen hundreds. Has that Victorian era feel about it? I knew the place was haunted because the friend who booked it deliberately booked that floor because it's supposedly the haunted floor, and but it was not the room that was supposed to be haunted. So, and I knew that the only story that I knew about the place was that um, it was haunted by a woman. And that was it. Period. <laughs> Period. That's it. That's okay. all I knew. I deliberately didn't want to know. But on the second night we were there, um, I got out my recorder and we attempted to do some EVP. Nothing fantastic. Nothing to write home about. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, on the other hand, when I was sleeping that night, I kept waking up feeling like somebody was watching me. And it was like, there's these pipes, these water pipes that were going across the top of the ceiling. And I kept feeling like there was somebody hanging from them. I know that sounds crazy. I didn't see anybody. You mean like <coughs> jungle no, gym hanging? No, hanging or... like by the neck. Okay. So the next morning, I didn't say anything. I wrote in my journal about it. And then my friend and I went out and spent the day. We came back in the afternoon and my friend said something to me about... Um, the woman who hung herself there. And I went, whoa, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, in 318. Supposedly she got jolted on her wedding day and she went upstairs and hung herself. And I'm like, as on a pipe? And he's like, they didn't say in the story that I read. It just said she hung herself. And I thought, I just kind of thought that was very eerie that I would keep waking up feeling like there was somebody hanging there and I'd startle and then there would be nobody there. Hmm. And it turned out that she had hung herself off those off of apparently the pipes in the room. Did it seem like there was actually a spirit there or just residual I just energy got, that you picked up on? I got a female's energy, and I just assumed that was because we had been trying to talk to the woman with EVP. Wait, you, female's energy? Like Is you can, a, can, yeah. You, I mean, you can sort of tell like if it's a male or if it's female. Oh, okay. a lot of times, and I just got that you know there was just a woman, that I, and I didn't know anything about her, so. My questions were very generic, you know, like, what's your name? What year do you remember? Um, you know, th things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, then I, when we went to sleep, I just assumed that when I startled awake at first, I, was, I, I felt somebody there. And I thought, oh, it must be the lady we tried to talk to. And we got a few replies, but they were like Class C EVP, or Class B EVP. And... Um, then I would, I startled awake three different times throughout the night with that feeling that there was some mass or something above me. And I'd look up and just for a second, you know, you'd almost see it. And then you were like, no, there's nothing there. What is wrong with you? Go back to sleep. And then I didn't say anything because I just didn't want to be the crazy lady who sees things and, you know, when there's nothing around. Sure. 
So um, I'm always kind of hesitant to be the first person to say something. So on that particular day, it was like five, six o'clock in the afternoon. We had just come back for supper. And my friend made this, this joke about um, the woman hanging. And that's when I said, what are you, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, that's the story. She hung herself on her wedding day. Then did you jump in? Then I said, whoa, 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 back it up. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, this is what happened. And he's like, you're serious, aren't you? And I'm like, I can show you. I wrote it this morning. I'd have been like, why are you holding that cl- so close to the vest? Share with the rest of us. So That's what the podcast is for, I guess. Yeah, that's true. That's what the <laughs> podcast is for. So it was really interesting, and it was a gorgeous place. And um, I would definitely go back there again. Cool. What was it called? It was the Green Park in... In Virginia. In North Carolina. Oh, in North Carolina, yes. Yes, the Wayside was in Virginia. Both of which are beautiful buildings. I've been thinking of that name ever since you said it. Blowing rocks. <laughs> Anyone who's watching the video on this is like, why does he keep almost laughing? <coughs> and the one thing we didn't get to see was blowing rock. Okay. Oh, there was a, a there blowing is a, rock. There is a rock, yeah. Okay. Well. It jets out over the top of a mountain, which is, I suspect, why they call it blowing rock, because the wind comes up sure. and catches it. I wonder if it makes like a noise or something. I don't know. We did not see the blowing rock. That was the only thing we didn't see there. Hmm. So were you going just for the just for ghostly trips? No, or were, we were you just, just going, going for, for like fun. summertime? Yeah, yeah, just for fun. Okay, but do you pick? You tend to pick those destinations. I did not pick the destination either time. A friend, my friend did. Okay, okay. and I suspect that my friend picked the destination because they were haunted, and there was the thought that I would like that. Okay, but I didn't deliberately set out to ghost hunt at all. Mm-hmm. But you had the EVP anyway. Well, I was. Requested- do you do that everywhere? Just. You walk in a new place. Hello. <laughs> no. <laughs> anything here? Actually, what happened was we didn't have any EVP at the first place because I didn't bring anything because mm-hmm. I wasn't planning to do any ghost hunting. Sure. So in the second time, I was requested to bring at least a recorder. Well, have you ever used your phone? I have. Not the one I have now, but the one I had before this one. I had a lot of success with it. Not just with EVP, but with um, catching... Um, orbs in motion and stuff like that you mean video in video yeah i had a lot of luck with both audio and video on the other on the other phone cool so yeah i mean it's not and it's not that i've never done it but i had a i have a dr60 which a lot of ghost hunters covet yeah because we talked about that a couple episodes ago but i was curious if we can actually use the phone no you sure or not because i didn't know if it was different waves and just everything i'm not sure if i ever told you about the spongebob tape recorder but yeah i did i did you did so i mean anything if it's spongebob will work you know (laughs) then something high tech like a apple phone would work yeah yes it would definitely work yeah (laughs) so that's were those the only experiences since we talked last? Um, yes, actually, they were the only ones. I've been very quiet lately. That's good. I'm just, you know. Peace, light, and harmony. Peace, light, and harmony. <laughs> Until the, the sky falls in again. You yeah. Know, something happens. Mine is let it go. That's my mantra or saying or whatever it is. Just, just I, I always go. need to remind myself to let things go. I don't know if I have some sort of obsessive <laughs> disorder or whatever, but like every time something's like negative, I obsess over it for a while. So leading to much anxiety. I'm sure. I try to find the positive in everything. Yeah. You know, if something's negative, there's got to be a positive. To yeah. It too. Which is what I've been doing a lot. And, and I think that's, I was thinking about that too. I was like um, thinking about not only for the dead, but you can, you understand that, you have your perspective and the ghost has their perspective. Right. And you have to get in their headspace to figure it out. Yes. I think, you know, that applies to pretty much anything in life. Um, Everyone's going to have their own ideas. Everyone's going to have all their own thoughts. The facts, you know, you, you may or may not be able to agree on what is truth and all that stuff. And maybe you don't have to. It's just good to go. Well, how did you get there? You know, how, how did you get to that conclusion? And and the fact is that you have to recognize that truth is relative. Mm-hmm. My truth and your truth may not be the same truth, but they will both be truths. Yeah. Because of how our perception, again, I always go back to perspective. You know, everybody has their own perception of what life is like. And right. So if you see it a certain way, that is your truth. Yeah. Can I speak on that for a minute? Sure. Real quick. Okay. So 
the the thing that changed my perspective on all of life was one story that I heard in college in my philosophy intro to philosophy class. Yeah. It was ethics. And he said, you know, ethics are relative, which, uh, and I was like, are they really? I mean, everyone knows what good and evil and what's moral and what's not and all that stuff and just choose to go against it. If, if they have, you know, an end that they want to achieve, like we'll jip, a, a worker to make more money for the company and all that stuff, you know? Right. And, and I'm like, that's not true. He goes over the story where, um, some of the native, I can't remember if it was Inuit or it's, it's one of the, you know, Eskimo, um, tribes. Right. Uh, and what they do is when somebody gets too old, they take them by the hand and they lead them out into the wilderness and they let them freeze to death. That's what they do. And the old people totally recognize it. They know, okay, it's my time to go out into the the tundra and, you know, get froze to death. And they go, you know, because they they accept that that's real. Is that murder? I mean, it's hard to, oh, it's it's hard cultural, to say. It's a cultural issue. It's a yeah. car- cultural issue. And I went, holy cow. <laughs> I was like, I was wrong. <laughs> They're depending on somebody's perspective can be a very different, uh, reason, outcome, anything. And, and that one story that one day made me realize that I need to find out other people's perspectives just like that, you know? Yeah. But I mean, to me, it sounds like murder, but to the Eskimos, it sounds like this is just what you do. It's, it's time. You're holding the tribe back. And, You're and a mouth think- to feed that that isn't contributing that in our culture we are changing our our morals and our mores used to be that no matter what we will keep you alive if we have to plug you into 12 machines we will keep you alive no quality of life is is considered in this at all and now we have hospice programs we have um you know a lot of things that are different. People can die now with dignity, make their own choices. On their own terms. On their own terms. Yeah. And um, we see that now as morally good. Whereas 50 years ago, if you just said that to a doctor, he would say, she has no right. Mm-hmm. How dare she? Yeah. How dare she think that she has a right to decide when she's going to die? I can keep her alive by using this machine. Therefore, I shall. Yeah. Yeah, and we said we'd get into some philosophy on this podcast. It's not going to be just paranormal, but this does really apply to paranormal. It's it's you need to figure out what that person's experience was. What that, you know, uh, you know, whether it be I know we haven't talked about like earth spirits or anything, right. but it's like what does it want? What has it experienced? What do humans look like to them? You know, do we seem like an evil thing that they hate us even though we're not you know, trying to be bad or anything. So um, it does, it is applicable. And it's even applicable to history, if you think about it, because we're judging historical figures and events from 150, 200 years ago, and we're judging them by today's standards. And that makes no sense. Um, And so when you're talking to a person who died 100 years ago, you're going to have to judge their actions and their Mm -hmm. thought patterns based upon what was acceptable to them. Yeah. And whatever conclusion you come out to based on knowing their perspective, I feel like is much more well-rounded than you just going, you're wrong or you're stupid or any of that. Right. You know, you know, like dealing with a house where uh, maybe a a servant or a slave Mm -hmm. passed away and their perspective is very different than my perspective would be. Right. And so you may have to deal with them in the issues that they had in their time because they're still their issues. Right. Yeah. Well, and and we have a lot more access to history now that you could go into a site knowing kind of what their mindset might be if there is something there. You can. The only thing that's different now, and I find it kind of sad, is that people are so judgmental that they judge history rather than learn it. Mm-hmm. And I, I find... Because I'm a history person at heart. I'm always a history person. And I think that when you try to apply today's morals to historical events or to people from the past, you know, you see that a lot with like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. Right. Therefore, they were evil people. No, that was their time frame. That was their reference. Um, 
it's a, just a different, it's a different era. Is this something I think that is a great idea? No, I don't think it's a great idea at all. I never would and I never have. But you can't judge by today's ethical standards the actions of a man who died 150 to 200 years ago. Well, you can. You can, you, but you unfortunately... Can, you can take what they did and apply it to the future almost, going, okay, that was wrong. We know that now. And this is how we need to go forward. And going but, forward, but I think fine. understanding that perspective of where they were at the time is very important. It is. It's. It's. It's really. And when you're in the paranormal field, you really do have to lay all that crap aside and just accept whatever is coming your way. Mm-hmm. That this is what this person believes, and it is that way for them. Right. Cool. Well, yeah, that's our philosophy for the day and our ghost story. Um, we should be breaking into um well do you want to do the angel thing first or do you want to do the q a well it's up to you you can do whichever you want you already got the questions up there so let's go with the questions okay too late already clicked um i'm not gonna say names okay of these people but i will unless they want me to they can tell me in the comments later um but uh and i swear i didn't write this okay <laughs> uh if one is occasionally sensitive to spirits, their emotions, hearing their occasional whispers, etc., how do you further develop that sensitivity within you? Or are you simply born with a degree of sensitivity and that's it? There are plenty of books and websites out there on the subject, so many that it's overwhelming. So what really works? Thanks for the opportunity to ask the question. I'm really enjoying the podcast. Well, um, I think that it's like anything else. The more you use it, the better you get at it. So... I always tell people when they come and they want to learn, find a reputable person that has a belief system that you can work within Mm -hmm. and then work with that person. The more you're exposed to the paranormal, to um, the events and stuff like that, um, the more you'll learn to trust yourself. That's probably the biggest hurdle for most people is trusting themselves. I can remember a particular gentleman um, in my group and him being so hesitant to speak it was it was almost sad and then after he had had several really good hits he began to trust his instincts Mm. and now he's phenomenal and so it's you can you can develop it the more you use it the more you will develop it um but just make sure you you have an incubator which is a a a person or a group of people who are like-minded and who are going to keep you safe in that process so find somebody who knows what they're doing in the field um we've we've hosted multiple people who um have grown so i have seen people do that quite a lot make sure you stay grounded keep your you know say your prayers and um, make sure you tell entities to stay put whenever you leave don't invite anything to come home with you no matter how emotional it might become particularly when you're being empathic because that that sort of makes you forget to protect yourself sometimes right but um all that said you can indeed and you should be able to grow i've had um in particular a friend of mine who started out she could see them but she couldn't hear anything and for a year and a half maybe two years she could see this see entities and then one day she was actually with us someplace and um i can remember the look of shock on her face the first time she heard a ghost talk because that was the first you know it was the first time and she was like oh my god i can hear them now and then once that started it, it just got stronger and stronger it's just a, like a muscle it is it's it's very much well, the same your brain's way. a muscle yeah. assuming this is all coming from your brain well, i think it, i honestly do i think it's well it's like um like talent um you know, you can teach five five hundred children to play the piano, but maybe if you're lucky, one of them will be concert an amazing pianist. concert yeah. pianist. Yeah. Um, so, not everybody's going to be the best quality at it, but you can learn it. But you know what? It may not be the kid who has the natural talent who's the, becomes the concert pianist. It might be the kid who works the hardest. Right. Although it could be either. It could. Yeah. But so my my point is that you know if you work at it and work at it, you may not have um as much raw material but you can in some ways compensate for that by being very good at what you do Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely well the one thing uh i think that i can give insight to what she's saying though is if you're somebody who it happens by accident to and you don't even know how to even make it start 
then what? Like, like let's use me as a case study. If I wanted to, you know, go ahead and try to make myself hear them instead of, right. you know, just getting a Kenny every now and then, like where, where do I even start to make my radar well, I More. mean, <laughs> I guess it's not quite that easy. Because um, I don't have a starting point to right. like the people you're talking about. I think they do see things and they know they see them and then they can strengthen that. But for me, it's just random hits once a year <laughs> or whatever. Right. You know, I, I know that with um, most of the time for me with people when I'm teaching them, the hardest thing for me to teach them is how to stay still because people expect it to be a big noise and it's a very quiet thing. And it's kind of like that voice inside your head that talks. So teaching them what to listen for. And then when you learn the difference between your voice and somebody else's voice. And that takes time. Yeah. And it takes somebody who knows how to show you the process to do it. And I will tell you, I don't care who the person is. I am certainly not the world's best and I don't advertise myself to be that. And... Um, but even the world's best psychics have their off days and they're, they're not always going to get a hit. Mm-hmm. And so nobody does. So it's just learning to have confidence and tell the difference between the two voices. Right. But you'd say don't go seeking it out on your own. Not, that would, that with, not could be without really this. really bad. Well, just because you won't know what you're doing and you could get yourself into a, a bad situation. Right. Um, you know, choose to do it with somebody or a group of people who are very talented and and you may have to go and and visit with five or six or seven groups you know go out a few times with them and just kind of see where they're going okay cool thank you for that question um next question i've always wondered how a ghost can physically make footstep noises or move objects or make sounds like if you hear floorboards creaking and it's definitely a ghost walking around how do they do that and uh another is uh we can extend that into um how is it possible to hear music that's not uh you know a voice or something or smell cigar smoke or that stuff where where does all of that come from boy i would be an absolute genius if i knew that answer my guess and this is all it is Mm -hmm. okay is that they somehow trick our senses um, I've been in every one of those situations. Um, I lived for many years in a house that was haunted. And I can remember this one particular day, the electricity was turned off all through the house, and the whole town actually. And I'm sitting there reading a book, and all of a sudden out of nowhere I hear this music box. And I think I've told you the story. Yeah. And I cannot tell you where I, I got the music box from. And here's the better question. Or maybe they're making it play. Because I've also had the experience of recording it in other sites where we've heard noises. You played that for me before. And it yeah. was recorded. Yep. So And it also sounded hollow. It did. That that didn't sound like it had any bass or that you sat there and recorded it or anything yeah. like that. It has that like a hollowed out sound to it. Mm-hmm. But so it's either one of two things. Either they're tricking our senses or they are physically manipulating energy to create the sounds or recreate the sounds for us. Yeah. Um, I guess he kind of had, he, he said after he wrote that, mm-hmm. uh, it's a friend of mine and he just said to me, Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know how I feel about all this ghost stuff. I have, I, I kind of go with the theory that there's things in a different dimension and somehow it gets into uh, ours like like maybe um wherever they are you know uh wherever they reside um most of the time you know maybe um they have a music box over there or something almost like they they create their own space or something right and i'm not going to argue that that isn't even a possibility because a lot of people do believe that they manifest slightly inside of a different spectrum and that they sort of slide back and forth a little bit and sometimes we slide back and forth a little bit right in what we're able to see and hear and feel so the possibility is also valid but i do believe that a lot of times they manipulate energy to assist us in having an experience yeah well that (laughs) <laughs> that kind of leads me to one thing I've kind of always wondered. 
So when they die, mm-hmm. um, do you think that they can, uh, well, I mean, you're a special case because you can communicate through your, you know, mind's eye and, and everything. But <clears throat> do you think they're able to do that with anybody? Do you think a ghost is able to um, suddenly like almost be a psychic themselves where they can read your mind if you're thinking about them and things like that? Do you think they have that ability to suddenly be able to be in people's heads? Because people think people are like, oh, I was just thinking about her. And then and then boof, she appeared and, you know, I or, or I felt her presence or whatever. And it makes me wonder is like, uh, can can spirits and well, any entity really uh, hear your thoughts almost or read your mind? I'm not sure if they hear your thoughts as much as they feel the energy from that pulling them. And that's really one of the reasons why whenever I tell people that we've cleaned a house and it's good and, you know, and I'll say, don't talk about them. Don't think about them. Don't bring them up into conversation or write Mm -hmm. about them or do anything. Because the more you energy you put into them, the more you're pulling them back into this plane. And some people listen and some people don't. And um, so I think that the amount of energy, because everything we do requires a form of energy, that the energy goes out into the universe and lets them know you know you're talking about them oh yeah he wants me to come in right yeah well that makes sense but yeah i was like so if you die you suddenly become a psychic and and (laughs) you become an energy reader yeah right and and i was like well does that apply to all entities do they can they all read minds you know but on the other end of it um not everybody is able to um work in that field that way um, there are people like you see houses where they'll say oh, the house was really haunted and the person and their family had a lot of experiences. Maybe they've even had people come in who've had a lot of experiences, right. which are validation points. And maybe the house has had experiences for two or three owners previously. And then somebody rents the house or buys the house and it's completely different. There's nothing happening. Right. And that isn't because everybody was lying or they made it all up that's because um the people that are now in the house are putting on a different type of energy and they're shutting it down okay well i think that answers that question or at least the theory there is no answer yeah I, I, <laughs> there, like i said i'm just giving never you my, be an answer my observations there's right. no way i could answer that question and be 100 percent accurate because there's there's just too much left unknown right now. Yeah, because it's like you heard about people talking about chains rattling and other stuff like that. It's like where the chains come from. If if they're the one that's manifesting, are they manifesting chains themselves or? Well, I have to tell you, I have never in all my years of hanging out in haunted houses heard chains rattle. I yeah, I mean, I guess that's <laughs> I think just that comes a, from Scooby Doo. That's a very Dickens thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, well, that's all the questions that we got. Uh, I, I only put it up yesterday, so um, hopefully we get more. If you guys have questions going forward, just hit us up and let us know, and we can have another Q&A episode because um, we'd like to get to know our audience in, in that way and see what everyone's thinking and feeling um, in addition to what we're saying. So um, now a couple episodes ago, we teased a Death Angel story uh, by Patty, she almost started saying, telling it, but I said, we should save this for another time. So um, I think we're going to get a little into um, angels since we had some pretty heavy episodes before about the more evil uh, aspect of angels. So um, you want to take it away with your story? Sure. Um, I was at a place in Western Pennsylvania called Hillview. It was a nursing home up until... Um, um, the early 90s and um, actually I think 2004 is whenever it finally shut its doors completely and prior to that it was a poor house so it has a long history um, they say that in their um, on their website that they estimate about 10,000 people died in this building over the course of its history which considering Jeez. what it was you can see that it's possible as I said, it was a nursing home for many, many years. And a lot of folks, of course, pass away in nursing homes. And they know and have documented, you know, dozens and dozens of, of deaths. Um, and I was there working with um, a friend of mine who hosted a ghost hunt there one night. And this was about 
three o'clock in the morning we were in the chapel there's a chapel in the back side of the building and it was used as a chapel every Sunday for a minister to come in and, and give services for the people who were residents and also for funerals particularly for those who didn't have any family left because mm. there was a cemetery in the back and they would bury the, the person in the back cemetery um, that night we had crossed over several people including this one old lady who kept fussing about her things in her suitcase well, we ended up finding her suitcase still in the basement with all her things still in it and she had given us her name and the suitcase had her name on it. And when I found the suitcase, then I was able to cross her over. And um, right after that, we went up to the chapel and sat down. Now, in front of me were two ladies who had very early on in the evening told me that they did not believe in God, that they were here for hard science. And you get out, there's a group of ghost hunters who are very much that way. But they're not part of your group. Well, they are part of the group. They oh, okay. had paid to come and be part of this event. Okay. But they were hard science, so they had all the gadgets and gadgets that all the science techie guys have, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're doing their thing, um, doing you know EVP and what have you. But it's like 3 o'clock in the morning. Everybody's getting a little tired. Um, sitting directly across from me on the right-hand side in another row of chairs were two other ladies. Um and then myself and my friend Jaffa, who was the hostess of the entire event. And I was watching the ladies in the front, the women who were science-oriented, and I noticed there's a little side door at the top of the front of the chapel on the right-hand side, which was the door they would go in and out of to take the bodies around at the back or to carry the um, caskets out to the for the funeral procession. And I'm watching this door, and I noticed this figure coming through the door. I don't mean the door opened. I mean it literally went through the door. Mm-hmm. It was brown. He wasn't a black shadow. It was brown shadow, which caught my attention because I've seen a lot of shadow people over my lifetime, but they're always black. So I'm pausing and I'm watching this guy and I'm thinking, what are you? What are you? And I get this kind of scared feeling in my pit of my stomach and he steps forward just slightly more and when he does come finish going through the door I realize he has wings and in just that instant I cannot tell you how I knew I just knew this was the angel of death and I got up and I walked to the back and I looked out the window and I have tears rolling down my face I am scared to death because my first thought was oh my god who's going to die And I turned around in the back of the room and he's still standing there on the altar watching me. And in my head, I said, you're the angel of death who's going to die tonight. And he said, no one. I've been waiting for some of these people to come for a long time. I've come to cross them to care. I've come to carry them over were his words. I've come to carry them over. And in just that second, the warmest most loving feeling I have ever felt in my life washed over me. And I just began to sob quietly. And I walked back up and I sat down beside my friend and I whispered, take pictures toward the door. And I shot off two shots on my, on my phone. And then I was just overwhelmed with, with this man, this figure, this, this angel. And I stopped taking pictures. And the other lady started taking pictures but they, were, they didn't know why, but Jaffa had started, so they did. And I watched him, and he unfurled his wings. There's no other way to explain it. Just They flew open, and when they did, <clears throat> this bright burst of light just came out of nowhere, and poof, he was gone. The bright burst of light to you? To me, yeah, yes. Okay, you saw, you saw it. What was really odd, though, Back by the back door, there was a cross about three foot high, standing on a little two foot high stand. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, the two techie geek girls got up from the altar where they were sitting, went back and sat down on their knees and started to pray, which I found amazing considering they had informed me early on that they didn't believe in God. The two ladies sitting on the right hand side of me began to weep softly, although they had no clue why. My friend Jaffa says to me, what happened? What just happened? I knew something just happened. I could feel it. And I told her. 
And then in my two photographs that I said I took, I took, they were the two photographs, like one is right before, they're like less than a second apart. The first one, you see the room with only ambient light, which is just the exit sign. That's it. In the second, it was as he unfurled his wings and I caught that bright light. And I believe we're going to put that up for folks. Can you put that up for those? Sure. I can lay it in. <clears throat> because it's amazing, two photographs. It, it just is mind-boggling. Yeah, when you showed it to me, I was uh, <laughs> I was kind of dumbfounded. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of light. You it know? is. It's, it's in uh, absolute pure white light, and it just overwhelms everything. Yeah, but it didn't... Uh, I, I need to see it again, but I don't remember it bleeding. Like, light will... It'll be strong at the source, and then bleed out and get softer and softer until it gets dark again uh the further away you are but i think the photo you showed me had it as bright as the source the whole way yes and then just cut off yes and it doesn't bleed into like the darkness so it wasn't actual like light light you know like these right and the other thing i found interesting is there's a railing in three i think it's three steps um right there right by where he was standing and you can see the arm of the railing cut off like it just kind of is blacked out with or blanked out with the whiteness of the light mm -hmm. as though there's matter there. Mm -hmm. And um, it cast a shadow of bright on the ceiling. It was that white. Okay. And um, nobody else saw it, but everybody felt it. They all burst into tears. And then I told Jaffa, the angel of death was just here. Mm hmm and she's like, what are you talking about? You know, really. And she's like, is everybody going to be okay? And I'm like, yeah, everybody's going to be fine. And I wasn't crying out of fear. It was the most intense sense of love that I have ever felt as a human being. And if this is what death is, I, I mean, I'd done hospice work and end of life work with people as a caregiver. And... I have to say that I found great comfort in knowing that this is the love that they encounter mm -hmm. in the moment of death. That's good. So you you probably don't truly die alone. No. Um, I, I don't think most people do. I think some people might, and I think those might be... Well, probably instantaneous deaths like that jackknifed um, car that you yeah. were talking... Or the truck you were talking about. He probably didn't have time to you know <laughs> experience anything but i think maybe um i mean i think the, the angel of death comes or angels of death i know there's probably there's probably many of them mm -hmm. um who come and lift us up i think those who are refused to be lifted up are the ones who stay behind as ghosts because there are multitudes of stories of people who for just a few moments after their death they reach out to a loved one and what have you, and then they're gone, and they're gone forever. There's never another story about them. Right. Um, and I've only ever in my lifetime encountered one person who couldn't cross over, at least not until he did something. And he had a darkness around him that was really sad, and it was his own making. Hmm. Like what? Like an aura or just a feeling? No, or... there was this um, soldier... We were in Virginia and um, down near the water. And um, this is at a place where um, a huge battle had taken place. And um, we were walking around, a, friend, a couple friends of mine and I. And I stopped because I saw this man and he was holding on to this bag around his neck. And he was a Confederate soldier and he was just holding on to it so tightly. And I stopped and my friend said, do you see something? And I'm like, yeah, I see a man. And I started trying to talk to him in my head real quiet. And when I do this and there's people with me, I often give them a play-by-play -play so that they know what's going on. Otherwise, it's probably exceedingly boring and I look really, really crazy. And so I just like, well, he's, this is what he's saying. This is what he's doing kind of a thing. And he's still got a hold of this, this bag and he's like, telling me i said you know do you need help can i cross you over and he's like i can't go over and i said what do you mean you can't go over but he was odd because <clears throat> he had that darkness around him that i had never seen before 
<clears throat> I apologize. Um, okay. He had... Patty's got a little bit of a cold. Cast, I do have a cold. So. <laughs> I apologize. Bear, bear with us for this episode. But anyhow, he... Um, like normally when I tell people to look for the little white light, he'll, they'll look for it and it'll grow. Mm-hmm. And it'll become the size of a doorway. And he couldn't make it grow. It was just a little tiny pinpoint of light, but he couldn't get... He couldn't focus on it and make it grow. I'd never seen that. And then I said to him... But he wanted to cross over. He said he did. Okay. He said he wanted to go to his family. And that's really what he was going to have to do to go to his family. Okay. So I said something about the bag just caught my attention. And I said, what's in the bag? And he kind of went like this with it. And he said, it's our new start. And I said, what do you mean your new start? The, the gist of the story that he told me was basically that he had stolen some jewelry from some people, some women, um, who were dying. Um, I don't know if he killed them or not. He wasn't very clear on that part. But this jewelry was going to be his family's new start. When the war's over? Yeah. You mean? Okay. So he was going to go home and they could buy land with this and get a new start. Sure. And it dawned on me that he had to let go of the bag. So I said to him, if you want to see your family again, you got to let go of that bag. And he said, I can't. It's our new start. Like, this is just burning in him. But he knew he was dead, right? He So didn't. there is no start. No, he didn't. <laughs> I mean... He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. It's kind of an odd, like, he was traumatized, and he had held on to this thought for so long uh-huh. that this was all he was holding on to. He wasn't thinking rationally. Okay. So finally, I said to him, I kept saying, you know, you have to let go of the bag. Take it off. And he tugged at it finally. And I can remember seeing it come down across his chest. And then it just faded away. It didn't fall. It just faded away. And then the light started to seep around him. And he looked at me and he said, oh, my God, I can go home. Thank you. And I started to cry. And the ladies that were with me started to cry. And... He just was gone. But he had to let go of that bag. Because mm-hmm. avarice was what was holding him here. Right. And that's the only time I've ever had that experience. Hmm. So, well, can you... Um, well, first of all, I guess I need to go back to the angel. Sure. Uh, real quick. Now, you looked directly at the angel, mm-hmm. right? But it appeared as like a shadow. But were are there features... That you could pick out? Did it look like a person who happened to have wings? Or, you know, the outline? Was it at least two arms, two legs, you know, standing Yes, it looked like a person. I mean, yes. And it looked like a shadow person, only brown, not black. Right. Until his his wings came through. And then I could clearly see the wings, the, the large wings. But it was all in silhouette. But, yes, he had features. He had human features. Okay. Um, a face and... And what have you. And then um, just this intense look of great love that just really went right through your heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's what everybody thinks of when they think of an angel is basically a human with wings. I mean, that's pretty much every picture that's ever been. (laughs) No, I mean, I can't tell you that he was wearing um, pants because I think it was more of a robish because it was like a mass going down. There was no distinction. Yeah. But the top of him was really where I was focused. Yeah. Because his face and, and, and the top of him was just so amazing. Okay. Well, I mean, we, we kind of touched on uh, in the, the demons episode saying about how demons were angels and everything like that. And we talked about their um, true form. And, you know, what what is that like? I guess that's what this is, right? That, like they portray a form that's terrifying, typically. But their true form is probably similar to what you saw. I would say that originally, and I don't think that my form of what I saw was the true form. Was the true form, because if you would go into Billy Graham's book, um, Angels, 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 he describes the seven different types of angels, right, and what they are described as looking like. None of which, except maybe archangels, would fit that bill. But I think that that angels like demons take forms that we recognize. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, because if you you read 
some of the descriptions in the Bible, you know, they're huge and some of them look like they have wheels inside of wheels and they have four sides and four faces and right. what have you. So they're very vastly different. And but if that showed up and you saw that, you'd probably freak out for a second. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I I'd like, freak whoa, out what? for more than a second. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> so um, I think he chose the form that he felt was the least offensive or frightening. Mm-hmm. To show himself as. Yeah. And it also would make sense that they, I mean, they've been around for millennia. So they have a sense of what humans perceive them as. Of course. So that would make sense that he wants to be perceived as something that's recognizable. And um, it wasn't even his form that was so amazing and awe-inspiring. There was just this intense sense of love. Mm-hmm. I can't even begin to explain how... It felt it was the warmest, gentlest, lovingest feeling I've ever encountered. Yeah, probably similar to what we talked about in that bathroom story that I felt. Yeah. Just on steroids, <laughs> I assume. Um, but yeah, that's what, I mean, you're touching on what people, we talked about a different episode, how people have died and then they they experience that and then they come back and then they're suddenly not afraid of death. They they don't want to die to feel it again, but they're looking forward to... They're not afraid and they're looking forward to the end right. when they know they're going to feel that again. Right. And um, that's got to be powerful. And that's something that obviously you've kept... Uh, you know, I, I remember what that feeling that I felt was like, and I can't forget it. And you're definitely going to be able to almost hold on to that your entire life. Yeah, I literally, like I was shaking once I'm trying to tell this story to you. I'm like, my hands are shaking. It is that impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to put it into words just is not ever going to work, I guess, because they're not words big enough. Sure. That makes sense. Well, there are feelings that you can't find words for. But it was a very comforting. And for me, a needed thing. Because like I said, I did hospice and I did all that stuff. And... I had always worried about that, and I don't anymore, and I'm grateful. That's good. Is that your <coughs> only angel story? It's not, right? My only angel story? You have a different angel story dealing with a janitor, right? Oh, yes, I do. We should. This is the angels episode. All right. <laughs> this one's a long time ago. Um, when my oldest son was four. He had appendicitis. It was the beginning of December. He had just gotten through the flu. And I took him to the doctor, and I just knew when I woke up that morning he had appendicitis. He was throwing up, and he was just reacting the way my sister did when she had appendicitis. Mm. wasn't anything psychic. I just knew I recognized the symptoms. Sure. So I took him to his doctor, and his pediatrician thought it might be appendicitis, but he was new to the area, so he didn't have operating privileges. So he sent him to a um, surgeon. The surgeon was very rude to me and got on the phone with the, my doctor and said, the mother wants the appendix out. Well, that's just too darn bad. I'm not taking him out. You know, there's nothing wrong with this kid. He's got the flu. And that was that. Was that like an educated guess or did he did he do a test first? Well, they did do a white blood cell count because white blood cell count elevates with the appendicitis okay Okay. but it takes time so apparently it wasn't high enough to suit him and that was the end of that so i took my son and went home later on in the day he was still very very sick he must have thrown up at least 13 14 times that day i mean he was very very sick and right after i left that doctor the nurse stopped me in the hallway and said honey kids don't get the flu twice in two weeks you keep fighting so i took him to another hospital and this was right in the middle of a horrible flu epidemic and they basically said the same thing. He's got the flu, go home, go, go away. And about 3.30 in the afternoon, he passed out. And I couldn't wake him up. I was terrified. So I called my father-in-law, who was just right down the street, because we lived out in the country, so it would have taken an hour to get an ambulance. And he came and got us, and we went to Chambersburg Hospital. And we get in there, there's gurneys all over the place with people laying on them with IV drips because, again, we're in the middle of a horrible flu epidemic. Um, where, where were you living at the time? Down in Fulton County, um, near a place called Wells Tannery. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like Williamsburg where you had to drive like <laughs> three hours. So I was like, wow, there's no, nobody closer? It's actually just like 
Williamsburg. It's uh, Fulton County. It's no, there's nobody around. Okay. Chambersburg from Fulton County was a good hour, hour and 10 minutes. Still, that's, you have to keep pushing outside. That's, yeah. That's nuts. So, um, anyway, um, we're down there and they put him on an IV drip. He kind of comes around a little tiny bit. They have him in this room and this janitor comes in. And I'm all by myself in this room with the with my little boy. And the janitor looks at me and this sense of calm just washes over me. The janitor talks to me. He's got, he's about five foot eight. He's got kind of a mullet kind of a haircut. He's got the earring in this one ear, close cropped beard, brown hair. And he, he starts telling me like, I've been here for 15 years and um, I've, you know, I know the doctor's here and everything's gonna be okay. And he changes one garbage bag and he talks to me for 20 minutes and he leaves. Well, then all Hades breaks loose and they come whirling in telling me he's, his appendix, my son's appendix has just ruptured and we've got to take emergency surgery and blah, 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 blah. And then who walks but the surgeon who told me in the morning that he wasn't going to take his appendix. Mm-hmm. They had called him and he worked both hospitals. And he looked at me and he said, I guess I was wrong. So they take him and prepping for surgery of course my husband and I were totally devastated terrified as anybody would be they take us all the way across the hospital to this other room it has a one-way mirror and they tell us to stay in there and when the phone rings that um we're to answer it it'll be the doctor or the surgeon from the hot um the operating room now it's 11 30 at night it's been a long horrible day so I'm sitting in the room and I'm I found this bible so I'm reading trying to read this bible and there's it means nothing the words are like sawdust I can't get any comfort and along comes my same janitor and I can see him from my side of the one-way mirror he plugs in this um, floor buffer looks through the glass even though I know he can't see me I was on that side comes through the door and says to my husband she needs a drink go get her a soda and without blinking my husband just gets up and walks away which is not his personality. I was going to say, all. was no. he known to do stuff like that? Okay. No, 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 no. It's not his personality at all. Do you think he was like hypnotized or? He just got up and walked away. Huh. And um, the guy sat down across from me and he said, Look, I know you're terrified. And he starts to tell me what's going to happen. He's like, The doctor's going to come in and he's going to tell you that they're going to put him in intensive care. There's going to be a lot of machines around him. But in the middle of the night, he's going to rally everything's going to be okay and everything he's telling to tell me on the back of my head i'm going feels so good i just trust this guy he's the janitor patty what is your problem (laughs) you know and he's not a medical expert yeah exactly (laughs) but there was this other part of me that wanted to trust him so my husband comes back in with the soda he gets up and he says it's all going to be okay the doctor will be here in a little while and I knew that he wasn't going to be there because they had specifically said, answer the phone. He's not coming in. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, everything happens exactly the way the man said. Doctor comes in, put him in intensive care. There's five machines around him and a nurse sitting there watching him in the middle of the night. My son wakes up and he says, I got to pee. They're like, you can't move. He gets up and goes and pees. They're all like, oh my God, that can't happen. But it does. <laughs> so the next day, my mother comes. And she says, go get a shower and go get something to eat and do what you want to do. What I really wanted to do was find that guy. I wanted to thank him for his kindness because he's really what carried me through. So I went out and I saw this lady cleaning and I said, I want to try to find a maintenance man who was here last night. And I described him. She's like, boy, I don't know who that is. Go down and talk to the lady in the canteen. She's been here for 30 years. She'll know. So I go down to the canteen and I talk to the lady. She's like, boy, I thought I knew everybody. But I don't know that guy. Go down to personnel and talk to Miss So-and-so. She's the lady that hired everybody that worked here for okay. 45 years. <laughs> she will know him. <clears throat> so I go down and I explain to Miss So-and-so what I want. I don't want to get him in any trouble. I just want to thank this man for his kindness. She gets up and she leaves and she comes back. And she says, ma'am, I want to first say that I believe you. Everything you said. And then I want to tell you that what you said is impossible. Because this is what's happened. Do you remember all those gurneys laying in the hallways last night? And I said, yeah. 
She said, well, we didn't have a maintenance man in the emergency room last night because they didn't want the maintenance carts clogging up the hallway. When your son was there, there were no maintenance men in that section. Secondly, we break the hospital up into quadrants. If the maintenance man was in that section, he would never have been in the same section you were in when you went to wait. That's what I did. I went to check to see where they put you. Mm -hmm. It couldn't have happened. And third, our maintenance men are not allowed to have long hair or wear jewelry, like earrings. I don't know what happened to you. But he wasn't a maintenance man here. So I go home with my son a few days later. And a couple nights after that, he's sleeping on the couch and I'm watching TV. And all of a sudden, very clearly from my right ear, I hear somebody whisper, he was an angel. That's why you could find no comfort in that Bible. God sent you an angel. And I just looked up and I thought, yeah, that's exactly it. I knew with great conviction it was true. Well, who said it? I have no idea. Oh, okay. I think it was... It did, I mean, did it sound like his voice or... It just a soft, soft whisper. Okay. I couldn't really tell you. And I don't care if people believe it or don't believe it. Till the end of time, I will know. On that night, God sent an angel to watch over us. And he looked like a maintenance man. With a mullet. With a mullet. <laughs> and I'm good with that. Yeah. I mean, I would prefer them to all have mullets. So <laughs> That's just me. I love mullets. <laughs> but so. um, no, that's awesome. I mean, it's not awesome that it happened to your son, of course. But... No, but it was, it was um, an amazing experience. And I always tell Danny whenever he... You know, he's frustrated or something. I'll tell him, you know, God has a plan for you. Obviously, he's watching over you. Yeah. Or now this was before you started ghost hunting, right? Oh, yes. Way before. Way before. Now, was your faith as strong then as now? Or or did that experience change anything? I will say I've always had faith. Yeah. But I had naive faith back then. Mm-hmm. A young woman's faith and now it's tempered by life experience sure and just just it's a different stronger faith now i've always believed in god i've always believed in christ but i don't know that i was intense enough to have handled the stuff i deal with now back then mm-hmm. but i've always believed in angels and i've always believed that god protects us okay yeah i was just wondering if maybe that wasn't necessarily for your son. It was more for you. I think it's for both to, of us. To, well, yeah. But I mean, looking, you can look back on that and say, okay, you know, I've found uh, favor in some respect and I should keep, you know, doing work for them. Like I said, but that was before, oh my gosh, that would have been 10 years, almost 10 years, eight years to 10 years before I would ever even begin to enter the field mm-hmm. in a formal basis. Yeah. Because those those two angel stories seem to coincide in a way. Like it seems like they know who you are and, you know, they're appreciative of what's going on. I think a lot of it is that angels know who we all are. Well, yeah. Honestly. That makes sense. I mean, I could tell you a half dozen other angel stories from people that I have encountered. Um, and I think that every everyone has the same opportunity there's nothing special about me at all and i'm not even anywhere near conceited enough to buy that um that god watches over all of us and that angels will come when we need them yeah well i guess what i'm getting at more is there is that belief um in the spiritual you know community that um or at least you know in doing any psychic research and stuff like that, that, that each one of us has an angel with us at all times that can guide and do all that stuff. Right. Um, I'm wondering if that's who that was or if that's, I mean, do you, in, yeah. in your experience with your community, do you, do you think that people, um, who've had those stories, they, they think that we all have an angel watching over us? Well, that's a good question. Um, 
Because that's what a lot of these like websites and stories and everything are, are saying is, is that. Well, I see a lot of misinformation on that subject. For example, I have a dear friend who said to me, one of her friends died and that's now her guardian angel. And I said, honey, no, that can't be an angel. Right. Yeah, that's not. By definition, it's like saying when an elephant dies, it becomes a, a chipmunk. Yeah. Um, it doesn't work that way. Um, and yeah, I th- it's, it sounds like people believe that when we're born, we just have it. You know? We know, if we believe the Bible, that angels serve God and mm-hmm. God asked them to care for us, okay? And that even though we're the weakest of all of his creations, sure. you know, angels and what have you, um, that he has a great love for us and that they have a great love for us because they love God mm-hmm. and they respect his creations. Right. Um, I don't know that any, I don't know for sure that an angel gets attached to you i've never had that feeling i don't believe necessarily in um spirit guides i'm not a big fan of the concept of spirit guides for the same reason i don't know that they're real and if they are i'm not sure where they come from and what they do and you know but um i don't know that an angel gets attached to you but i do know that whenever you need them angels will come Mm -hmm. and that's all i can tell you with any certainty I've never had the feeling that there's an angel who follows me everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I have always known that if I lift my voice up in prayer and supplication and ask God for help, they will appear. Maybe not visibly, right. but they will appear. Sure. Yeah. That's just stuff that I had been reading and yeah. <laughs> doing extracurricular research. No, and, and, and like a lot of people do believe that. Yeah. Uh, they do. But at, at no point in time... Are we ever to give up our, like, I've seen people who were like, oh, my guardian angel told me to do blah, blah, blah. Or my spirit guide told me to do blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, people claim that they can get in touch with them through yeah. methods, meditation, et cetera. You know? I, I just think that you you go straight to the source of God and he'll take care of it from there. Yeah. However, it gets delegated or whatever happens. Whatever happens, it and really does. Are... I mean, it does. I mean, none of this actually really matters all that much. The the details don't really matter. As, well, I mean, as... like I I will tell you, there are places where I go where I will pray, dear Lord, send angels to be with us tonight because I know it's going to be a rough night. Right. Um. And I know that you will feel it, or sometimes they'll even be seen. Right. But um, I don't know that they're there every day, twenty four hours a day. It would be a very boring job. Probably to be would, in my yeah. life <laughs> 24 yeah. hours a day because most of the time I'm doing paperwork. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the seven different types of angels, they all have a purpose, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe. They maybe, each serve a purpose. Maybe yes or maybe not. I'm not saying it doesn't matter in the sense that like, oh, angels don't matter. I'm saying right. just the process. It, if, if you get the outcome and the favor that is given to you that you ask for, it really doesn't matter how yeah. it gets there necessarily. Or I, I'm just searching for... Yeah. No, I was just, and I really wasn't even praying for an angel that night. I was just praying, dear Lord, don't let him die. Yeah. And, you know, that was the furthest thing from my head. Um, You know, as a mom and you're, you're a dad, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If your four-year-old child was just had their appendix burst and they're rushing them into emergency surgery at 1130 at night, that's where all of your, in your, your thought process is at. And that was really where my thoughts were. Um, the idea of the maintenance man being anything but a maintenance man never occurred to me until the next day and then I couldn't explain and I have to tell you I was really grateful my husband saw him because otherwise I would have thought I must have hallucinated him right you know that was the that was the greatest part of it is I I remember going back to the room and saying do you remember and he's like yeah I saw the guy last night why and I'm like I can't find him and so that was the validation I needed well it's really good that you're uh husband at the time saw him because <laughs> yeah I, I would have uh, thought the same thing that you thought like if no one saw this guy I would have been like is this is that who it is because at that point you had, you hadn't heard that uh, voice telling you yet so yeah and I was getting very puzzled and I have to tell you I'm, I'm one of those people that like digs her teeth in and hangs on that's why I went to three different people it took me like an hour and a half but I, I'm very grateful that he saw him because that was my validation that this guy really did exist yeah all right. Well, those are Patty's angel stories. So um, we got to hear the the cliffhanger uh, death angel that we've been waiting to hear about, and um, and I think almost the second 
one is is almost more interesting in a way just because you know it it was sent directly for you guys yeah as opposed to just being there and everybody happened to be there well, you at know, the same time. that was like the biggest blessing and I thought I would ever have in my life. So seeing the death angel and experiencing that was well beyond anything I ever anticipated or expected or thought I ever would deserve to experience. So I was very blessed. I've been very blessed in yeah. many ways. So moral of the story, you know, with us is positivity and uh, love wins. Love yes. is the best thing you can experience. Yeah. Peace, light and harmony. Peace, light, and harmony. All right, catch you guys later.